0: Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And good afternoon out there on Radio Land. It it is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics from Podcast Village here in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do every Tuesday. There's so much going on. I'm just going to skip with the usual formalities. Joining me here in studio, Admiral Ken Carradine. Former one star admiral, United States Navy, former White House advisor, David Mortlock, former NBC and ABC news talent and producer, Laura Chavez. Joining us from New York City is former Clinton legal advisor, Charlotte Charlie. And somewhere out in the hinterlands of upstate New York is our producer, uh, Audrey Howerton. And then uh, Manny is out doing Manny type stuff today. Uh, there is so much going on. I can't even begin I can't I don't even know where to begin you have pipe bombs. We're gonna to get to that. We have uh a president that thinks that he can take away the Fourteenth Amendment just because he can sign an executive order. We'll get to that uh the big thing yet again is we're talking about a mass shooting this time in a synagogue in the Squirrel Hill section of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, 11 dead. And and let let me be clear about this. There were 11 parishioners killed in a house of worship during their Shabbat services. And they were killed for no other reason other than being Jewish. This maniac, and I won't mention his name, this maniac kills... Eleven people in a house of the in, in a house of worship, several others injured, including three police officers. Uh, it is being called by many officials the worst attack on Judaism in the history of this country. Let me rephrase that: the worst attack on Judaism in the history of this country. The attacker had an AR fifteen. And two semi-automatic pistols, full full magazines loaded to the hilt. This brings up gun control. This brings up uh, this brings up um, uh, all you know all violence. This brings up so many other factors. The, the biggest issue I have with this. And what just drives me crazy, again, we're talking about another mass shooting, we can talk about the gun control stuff later, is this was pure, unadulterated hate. This was hatred at its most vivid, red levels. This, is, this was a violent act of rage and hate. The question I have is, why? Why does this have to happen? Why do 11 innocent lives have to be killed in a house of worship, in a place where they expect peace and they feel protected? This maniac goes in and kills 11. Uh, I I, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Laura Chavez, I mean, you've been in journalism for many years. I, I don't know if... I've never seen anything like this in my years as an adult. I don't know how you feel about all this.
1: It's definitely a heartbreaking story. I mean, there are the only solace that anyone can really take is that there have been a few heroes, uh, hero type people that have come through, including uh, the guy who was at the Mother Emanuel Church and was in New York. And when he heard about that, he hopped on the train with his family, drove down. There has been a massive outpouring of emotion, which still hopefully gives people. A small modicum that the, of an idea that the country isn't totally lost, but I honestly haven't. I've been to enough crime scenes, house fires, unfortunate things um, in the past decade and change of my life in journalism, and I've never seen anything that was so direct and so pointed. Usually, there's a much more personal uh, connection between the shooter or the person, per- the perpetrator. And the victims, but this just seemed senseless and blind. But
0: I mean, Admiral
1: this assailant
0: literally goes in and yells, All Jews must die, allegedly. But let me just be clear about that. There are several reports that saying that this guy walked into uh, the Tree of Life synagogue in Squirrel Hill, P- Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and started yelling, All Jews must die. It, this was nothing more than just pure evil and hate. The question is, was there a fuse for this hate?
2: There probably was. Um, I think it's too early in the investigation to find out uh, any real detail around that. Um I think it's also um unfortunate that we have seen this before. Uh, I recall a church shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, not too long ago, where someone walked in and shot a bunch of parishioners, and it being a racially based attack. I think it's safe to say, and, and this is just based on um, some statistics that came out of the, the Anti-Defamation League this this, this today, uh, is that there's been a dramatic uptick in the last two years, Uh, of crimes against um, the people of the Jewish faith, be it their synagogues, the people, or even places where they bury their dead. So there's something has happened. There's something has happened in the last two and a half years or so to where the crazies are feeling emboldened, that they are feeling more free to act out their their aggression uh, toward people who are not like them. And um, whether, you know, what, what that fuse has been, I, I think we can dance around that if, if we want. But the fact of the matter is, you know, before 18, 24 months ago, politicians on the major political stage did not talk the way that the current president does. They didn't do that.
0: And, and let me be clear, okay, because, and David Mortlock, I know you and I are going to go head to head on this. I, it, There is a large culpability of saying words matter regarding Trump and other senior Republicans. The Democrats are not without culpability in this as well. I mean, we've seen uh, just over the weekend a Republican headquarters in Volusia County, Florida, get shot up. Those arrested seem to be aligned with the Antifa. But... This is a problem on both sides. This hatred, this demagoguery goes both ways. Is that accurate?
3: I I mean, Justin, it's an extremely difficult, complicated question. Um, So take my response with that grain of salt. Uh, And, you know, I mean, look, obviously you've got to start off by just responding to how you started the show here, which is, you know, I, I don't think you could have put it better in that, you know, it's absolutely horrific. As Laura said, it's, it's completely senseless. Uh, but it it also touches on some pretty, uh, you know, the most sensitive issues in this country right now. Uh, hate, anti-Semitism, uh, gun control. But it's uh, not just
0: anti-Semitism. They, I mean, we're, we're talking, we're seeing racial attacks up at least double digits. We're talking... Uh, just random acts of violence against minorities are up du- double digits. I mean, this is not just r- racial. It, you know, the LBGT community is is, is exposed. Uh, this goes far beyond just race beating. Am
3: I wrong? Uh, no, I, I I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. There's a there's a massive amount of hostility. Uh, people feeling justified and in, in violent attacks. That's absolutely right, and 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 you're right. It it is not exclusive to uh, to one side of the political spectrum, right? I mean, we we saw you know Steve Scalise be shot, the the Republican softball game be be shot up um, uh, by someone who was deliberately targeting Republicans, Uh, and and so you're absolutely right. I I think though, um, you know, the, the the caveat I will give to that is there is only one president, and the person with the largest uh bullhorn in the world uh has a unique responsibility and you know what we have seen is you know we we have seen an inability of the president to promote unity in these moments of national crisis and you know I, i'm i'm not going to say whether that is by design or by uh inability um but but certainly you know, certainly it is something he is unable to do. And I think it it does leave us reeling as a, as a society more without that type of national healing and togetherness. And we're certainly seeing it on a community level. We're seeing it, uh, you know, in, in Squirrel Hill, Pittsburgh. We're seeing it in Pennsylvania. We're seeing it much broader than that. Um, but, you know, we are not seeing it from our national leaders and from our president. The way we have in, in past and, years.
0: And, Sharon, and, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking this one a little bit personally. This this one hit home for me, and I'll tell you why. Uh, my nephew, who just moved uh, to to Pittsburgh, to Squirrel Hill, now lives two blocks from the Tree of Life Synagogue. If this guy had gotten out there, we don't, you know, according to friends I've talked to, at, at Pittsburgh police, this guy could have gone out there and done much, much worse in the in the community. Uh distant relative of mine runs Allegheny, uh Allegheny General Hospital. He tells a story of when the assailant came in and had uh bullet wounds. Jewish doctors actually worked to save his life while he's screaming out anti Semitic rhetoric. That, to me, I mean, that, to me, highlights the good of this, but it, it, it just, it, it hits home for me personally. Sharmila, how do we rectify this as a nation? What is it going to take for us to literally hit the reset button and say, okay, this is enough? The hatred's got to stop. We're going to talk about the president and the other politicians' roles in this, but I, I mean, the, I guess the question is, do we have to hit the reset button now?
4: So, yes, obviously, there's a lar- there's a much larger reckoning that we have to have as a nation. Um, one thing I wanted to point out, though, before I get into that, is that we also narrowly avoided another large-scale hate tragedy in Louisville where a gunman tried to break into an African-American church right. luckily through serendipity the church was closed at the time and the doors were locked so then this man went to a nearby grocery store and shot two African-American elderly people for no good reason other than the fact that they were African-American right and you know it didn't get enough as much play in the national media because of the uh, because of the pipe bombs. But, the but two,
0: two, two innocent attack. people lost their lives. Two the innocent
4: people lost their lives. And that was another attack where you saw that the shooter was motivated purely by hate of another racial group. And I think that that's another... We should look at both the Louisville attack and the Pittsburgh attack in the totality of what's happening in this country. I think that in terms of the reset that you're talking about, as much as we don't want to blame the president we have to acknowledge the fact that more so than any other politician, and he is not the only politician to be guilty of this by by any means, but more so than any other politician, he's normalized the idea that some people are lesser than and that, you know, it's okay to say and think things about other groups, whether they're ethnic groups, religious groups, racial groups, that, you know, before you were embarrassed to admit that you thought or would say, right? And now you're saying, now people are saying, well, You know, even the more liberal and some older people I know are saying, well, you know, Trump's a jerk, but like he does have a point when he talks about Muslims or Hispanics or whatever. Right. He has normalized that. And more than anyone else, he's set up our society as a zero sum game. So if one religious group profits, another one loses. Right. If we advance rights for LGBTQ individuals, then somehow the Christian community loses. If we advance rights for uh, undocumented immigrants, somehow. Um, you know, U.S. citizens lose. And we need to, that's, I think, the notion that we need to reset as a country, thinking about how we are not groups in opposition. If you look at Pittsburgh, the group so far that's raised the most money for the victims of the Tree Hill Massacre are Americans in the same community. And so you see these resets happening in communities in small doses, but we need to find a way to launch that larger scale and And to show that we have so much more in common than we do
0: Right, you know, uh, Admiral Ken. You know, and we haven't even gotten into the subject about the pipe bombs, which, which is a whole other line of thinking that we we will touch on. But when it comes to Pittsburgh, you know, the the president, to the president's credit, when 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 the initial reports came out. The president did come out and say we stand with our, our brothers and sisters of the Jewish faith, did say uh, conciliatory words to the public, but yet, that was the first thing out of his mouth after this happened. It's words two through ten that he mentioned at a rally he held that night. Number one, would you have held that rally?
2: No. Why? Because it it it, it, it wasn't it was appropriate. It, the, the propriety uh, in 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 the in the face of something like this demands that you put the feelings and the needs of the people who are suffering ahead of yours. You know, one of the things about leadership, one of the things about leadership, is is the somehow the, the better leaders seem to understand that it's not about you. It's not about you. And the minute that you start thinking that it's about you, it's really time for you to exit the stage because you you you've you've you've, you've started to believe your own press, you've started to believe uh, your 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 own Kool Aid is is better than anybody else's. No, and I think that taking it one step further, not only should the at the rally have not taken place, joking about um, having messed up your hair while doing a, 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 a an impromptu presser. Is just it's beyond the pale. It's just ridiculous. Is,
0: Laura, is is this is this president even capable of empathy?
1: Not that I've seen, in all honesty. Not that I've seen. Uh, he still hasn't denounced the uh, Charlottesville, yeah, the Charlottesville marchers. Um, he had like one very. In my now, opinion, he did very, come out, he did it was come out He walked say, it back, but it was very but, fake, and I think we can all agree back, on
0: that. He did come back and say, is, is, and, and he did come back and say after Pittsburgh that he denounces all violence against all races, religions. He did say that. I will give him that. But I go back to my bigger point: is he says that, and then words two through ten are just as inflammatory. I guess I go. I, I mean, does this president have the capability? Or the actual ability to show empathy? I
1: don't I don't think he does, or I don't think he can if he wants to continue to win. And I think the most important thing for him is to win. And if he starts to apologize, his entire brand has been built on the idea that he's always right, he always wins, um, he's just this golden child. He's Teflon Don. Nothing's going to stick to him. He can shoot a person on Fifth Avenue and everyone will still vote for him. If he starts to apologize then that's going to show that he has a weakness, that he's wrong. And then he's going to lose so many of that Trumpian base that's saying to themselves, like, hey, why aren't we part—we're just as tough as this guy? Yeah, sure, you are. You're an absolute coward that's going to run into a completely unmanned church filled with elderly people and religious people just trying to worship. And you're going to shoot the place up. That's totally a brave thing to do. Way to go.
0: So then here's the question, David, is, you know, we look at— Ronald Reagan largely regarded as the big consoler in chief. Uh George H.W. Bush incredibly empathetic. Nobody did empathy I think better on the democratic side than Bill Clinton ever did. Uh we look at George W. Bush after 9/11. We look at Barack Obama after uh after the, the you know the shootings Insert shootings here. Uh, Hook. Sandy Hook. Hook. We see him after oh, yeah. the attack on uh, Gabby Giffords. It, it's almost like we expect a consoler-in-chief, we expect that person to put his presidential arms around the country and saying, you know what, we're not going to stand for this. It'll be all right. Let's work through this together. And when the country literally came out and said, okay, now what? This president just isn't capable of doing that. The question I have for you is, do we blame the president because maybe the country has changed? We've become so jaded. We've become so uh, callous to these events that we're kind of like, eh, let's do a rally. Or is it just that we've lost our way because we don't have somebody? We don't have a consoler in chief. Which is
3: this? No, I mean, I mean, look. Um, in terms of, in terms of, you know, have have we become so callous that we we just don't need someone or don't care if someone provides that role for the country? Uh, I I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, you know, I think as a nation, we over the last two years, of these horrible um, events have happened, where we Charlottesville, you know, neo Nazis in the street. A woman being killed on the streets of Charlottesville. Um, We've, you know, there have been tragedies around the world, Um, the hurricanes, the the impact uh, on Florida, um, on Houston, uh, New Orleans, Puerto Rico. You know, the 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 entire list, and then of course now uh, this this latest uh, horrific shooting. You know, I think as as we've been saying, as a as a community, as a country, we we do grieve. We do grieve together. We do come together. We do respond. Uh, and I think that is what is so shocking about the absence of everything you just described by, by past presidents is, is that to be the consoler in chief, to have that cathartic moment of the nation uh, of, of coming together in a time of tragedy, um, you know, it really does bind us together as a people, uh, is, is our collective response to these, these challenging moments. And, you know, that, that is not the president's brand, bringing people together.
0: But I mean, have we literally come to the point, Admiral Ken, where Again, showing empathy is showing weakness and the Trump base, the Republican base, won't stand for that kind of
2: sensitivity or humanism? I, I don't I don't I don't think that uh I don't think that the base can be Described in that way yet. I think what we're seeing is the president doesn't think the base can be um, can be described in that way. I think that to to Laura's point, that it's all about winning. It's all about showing that I'm, I'm a tough guy. It's all about being strong. I'm never going to I'm never going to apologize. It, it, this is who the president's brand. This is what the president's brand is. And I don't think that um, he has the I don't know. Courage to try um, being conciliatory in front of his base for fear that it might backfire on him. Charmley, you agree?
4: I do agree with Ken, but I also think that you know, to Laura's point, it's this is the president's personality, right? Even as a real estate entrepreneur in New York, he wasn't known as this soul of sensitivity. Um, you know, this his lack of empathy and his lack of being able to relate to anyone who's not himself or someone in similar circumstance far predates his presidency. And I think, you know, talking about what we were just talking about earlier of, you know, the the ability of other presidents before him to be to be consolers in chief, I think there's no starker contrast than the image of President Obama literally shedding tears at his first press conference after Sandy Hook versus the callousness that you've seen President Trump display after every single one of the tragedies that David mentioned.
0: But Sharma, hold on. Hold on. I mean, I mean Trump called this pure evil. He did condemn it. That's true. I mean I mean that that's a fact. I mean but it, it's a matter of, is is that enough? Does America want more?
4: America wants more and America wants consistency. Look at his reaction to tragedies that affect different constituencies. Look at his reaction to tragedies that affect African Americans or Latinos versus his reaction to tragedies that affect, you know, Caucasians or you know Jewish Americans, right? Who are both both groups who support him. Both groups that you know he has members of his family. Obviously, his daughter and his son-in-law are Jewish. Um, you know, the majority of his supporters are Caucasian. I think that's when you see that's also part of the problem that we haven't really addressed yet is that the president has different reactions to a tragedy, depending who the victim is. And that's, I think, the American people, part of the reason that his words ring hollow, even when he says the right words, is because you know that he's only saying it in this particular situation. And if the situation was reversed, had you know, for example, the Louisville shooting actually occurred and this one somehow been prevented, his reaction might have been considerably different.
2: Right. Errol Ken. So, over the weekend, um, as, the, as the news broke on this... Yeah, you, i tell you what. L- l-
0: let's go to break. Okay. Because we're going to be talking about this after the break. When we come back from break, we're going to continue talking about this. We're going to continue talking about the hatred. We're going to talk about the pipe-bombing issue and who drives the train on driving this hatred. This is Backroom Politics. We'll be back in a minute. down,
5: I believed trusted. showdown. When I think of him, how much I love him, I get a desperate notion. That's the way I feel today. My heart is aching because he's making a plaything of my devotion. That's the way I feel today. Without any reason or a word to say, that man turned his keys in. He packed and went away. What I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean That's the way I feel today
0: From Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back. Uh, we're talking about a really solemn, solemn subject right now, obviously. Uh, we're Yet we're talking about another mass shooting. We're talking about violence in politics. We're talking about hatred. We're talking about uh, demagoguery, I, I just can't even know, don't even know where to begin. Uh, last last half hour we talked about the uh, tragic events at uh, the Tree of Life Synagogue in, in Pittsburgh. The other thing we didn't talk about, which we need to, is that the pipe bomb situation, which, uh, which amazes me on so many levels. By the way, joining us in studio right now, he is the uh, former undersecretary, served under last count four presidents, Alan Moore, joining us in studio. Um, Alan, let me start with you on this one. The pipe bomber. We had a, uh, we had 14 pipe bombs go out to a, uh, two former presidents, a former vice president, a former secretary of state and presidential nominee, a multi-billionaire Democratic financier. Uh, we had it go out to members of Congress. 14 in total, and we still, not, I'm not even sure we found them all. And when he was arrested in South Florida last week, he was living and driving a van that had pictures of Hillary Clinton, pictures of Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer and crosshairs, had uh, CNN sucks, Trump regalia all over the place. Is, is this the textbook reason why we should hold the White House and the president accountable for words because words do matter?
6: Well, I think we need to hold them accountable with the notion that words do matter, regardless of this crazy bomber person. He's an interesting symbol. He's obviously a sick person. Um, Whether the president's words have triggered that man or not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's this grand argument that the, the defenders of the president make that, hey, politics is tough. People talk tough. We talk tough. They talk tough. Don't lay this at our feet. We don't know what motivates these people, but we know this. If people are less ugly and more civil, no possible damage occurs. And whether the damage can be linked directly to these folks, and there's certainly a lot of circumstantial evidence that it, that, that, that angry people who support the president feed on it. That's the bigger part of the problem. There are Democrats who say horrendously inappropriate things, who invite, uh, and I'm talking about elected politicians, members of Congress, a senator and a congress uh, Congresswoman, who have invited opponents of the president and opponents of Republicans to get in the faces of Republican elected officials wherever they are, wherever they go, in their home, in their workplace, or anyways anywhere else. There's there there's but it starts in the White House. The president's tone matters. Um, but it shouldn't be a political argument. Yeah, we make some mistakes, but you guys are worse. No, we make mistakes. You guys are worse. The president has no peer. He has no peer in terms of the ugliness that that comes out of his mouth Let me or ask his you this power. Question.
0: Let me ask you this question. Does this president use a bully, the bully pulpit
6: responsibly? No, he doesn't begin to. And it's so... It's so tragic, it's so unfortunate. He actually has a story to tell. I was just I I, I just came back from Colorado. I was wandering around Rocky Mountain National Park twenty four hours ago. Um, lucky me, yeah. Uh, and I met a bunch of people from different parts of the country uh, at a at a conference in Denver. And and including people from from Texas, uh, Trump supporters, Trump country. And they say, you know, he's his own worst enemy. And these are people who really like him a lot um, and like him for, you know, it doesn't any one of several reasons. But but this but this man who's been riding high on the on the economy, um, who's been able to tap into something in this country feels a need to continue to flog it. And to beat on it and to encourage and accentuate the ugly, the negative, the name-calling. He thinks Uh, it's fun. Some of his followers at the big uh, gatherings think it's fun.
0: Admiral Ken, is is this—I mean, I I, I can't even believe I'm about to say this. It's almost like it's in his psyche. This president thrives— on on conflict it's almost coliseum esque watching him just see- just watching him uh pit one side against the other it's 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 amazing
2: as fabulous as my government funded undergraduate and graduate education is i've only ever had one psychology class um all I can say is I don't want to get I don't want to talk about the president's psyche. I don't want to go that far into it. I just want to talk about the results. What I perceive to be the results. We are a much less civil society two years into this than we were uh, before, and I think that lack of civility uh, that that Alan so appropriately and aptly pointed out uh, is hurting us. Being civil, being nice to people doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't cost you a damn thing. But but here's the thing is, and and David, you were just telling me Stephen King just put out a tweet,
0: and you cannot tell me that that is not the type of tweet that he doesn't tweet that unless he feels he's got the overhead coverage of the Trump base and a Trump White House. Is that accurate?
3: Uh, no, I well, mean, first of all, read the tweet. Right. Well, let me uh, yeah, yeah let me let me get up here. Um, I, I mean look I think you know for, for those who haven't seen I mean there, there's been there's been a, a lot of conversation about Steve King uh, today even um in, in that I think it was uh, land of Lakes w- which has been a financial backer of of him has uh, announced today they would they were they were pulling right. out um, also Steve Steyer from from Ohio Republican Congress from Ohio um, issued a statement uh, uh condemning Steve King which uh, which, which came which out of nowhere. I, I don't know why he did that um, or why he felt now was the time to do it. Obviously, there have been a lot of conversations behind the scenes um, that we're not aware of. But, but um, you know, Steve King released a statement and I'll just I'll just quote it in part. Um, uh, you know, he, he starts by saying all Americans all created equal by God with all our races, ethnicities and national origins, legal immigrants and natural born citizens together make up the shining city on the hill. But he pivots pretty quickly here. These attacks are orchestrated by nasty, desperate, and dishonest fake news. Their ultimate goal is to flip the house and impeach Donald Trump. Establishment Never Trumpers are complicit, um, and I think what's what's shocking about the statement here is, um, you know, it, it is there is there is no room for compromise. There is no room for human humanizing yeah. the debate, um, and you know that that certainly seems to be where we're headed. And I agree, it is because. Um, there is cover from the White House, there is cover from the president, and they feel it's working. Laura, do you do you agree with that?
1: I definitely do. I think David brought up a lot of really good points, but at this point, um, at this point in time, it's really hard to tell where anything's going and how people are going to react.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I mean, Admiral Ken, when we hear when we hear the rhetoric of Steve King and 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 then he, and, and let's talk about something else i mean again not the fact that we had elected officials we had high ranking party officials and so called journalists going on the air saying that the pipe bomber was a false flag a plant by democrats to gain sympathy because we were coming into midterms which, even after they arrested this guy and they saw his van, there are still people saying that he was paid by Democrats and they put him up to it. That the guy's not mentally, the guy's mentally unstable. I watched.
2: I watched. Uh, I, I, watch all I mean, of, this is literal. I watch all of the uh, the networks. I watch CNN. I watch MSNBC and I watch Fox. And I happened to tune in to uh, Sean Hannity's show last week, and this was on Wednesday or Thursday night. And I, I, I sat there you know, uh, just completely in disbelief as, as he had he had a guest on who was a former Army EOD explosive ordnance disposal expert, and someone who was uh, supposedly uh, an expert on terrorism. And basically the point of the, uh, of the, of the, of the panel was that uh, this person uh, never uh, had never planned for the bombs to go off. That they were just there to scare people. So I'm thinking, okay. So your your comment here is that it's okay to terrorize people with fake bombs. Is right. that what you're saying? And oh,
0: there? by the way, the FBI director does not agree with you. Uh, director Ray came out and said when they had the press conference, Sharmila Chari, that hey. Guess what? This is not a hoax. These, this was a guy who put explosives into PVC pipe, put wires and de- and and had some concept of detonation. He wanted to do harm. That is according to the FBI and the Department of Justice. But even with all that, even with all that being out there, there are still people in public. We still have public figures. Going out and saying, oh, wait a minute, this is still the media creating drama, the Democrats sent that to CNN. I mean, really?
4: Well, you know, the number one thing they taught us in criminal law class is if you're going to commit a crime, you should put your own name and address on the envelope.
0: <laughs> and your own latent <laughs> so- fingerprints, too. <laughs> and, your own latent, and your own latent fingerprints.
4: Exactly. So... <laughs> Well done, Democrats.
2: But you know the thing—the thing that I think um, I'm having a problem with on this is that. So, this 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 person, the the the, the attempted bomber, the bomb maker. Um, Caesar Sayoc. I, I wasn't going to say his name. I don't want to give him any. Now, more he's press. just an idiot. Okay, well, he's I, just an idiot. His name say. The issue I have with this is that this guy living in his van, uh, working as a part-time bouncer. Was able to go out in the and stripper promoter and and stripper promoter was able to go out on the internet and um, successfully replicate at least fourteen different versions of a bomb. Obtain the addresses. I don't know how to get. I've been trying to get a. I've been trying to get a movie producer's address out in Hollywood for like the last ten years. And I, I and I'm pretty good in the internet. And I've been able to get that done. But he was able to get addresses for people like President Obama, the Clintons, on the internet and be able to put those in the mail on his own. I, I'm I'm having I you know the, the the two plus two machine in my head is not working. See see, Laura
0: Travis is in there. She's saying that you know any good news producer would know how to do that.
1: I've been able to track down a lot of really strange addresses. <laughs> no no, not saying that I'd be like good at crime <laughs> I, yeah, or I anything. Was say,
0: but should we be
1: concerned I, uh, about this? Should know, we be concerned about this? No, not yet. I have sources. That's
2: oh, okay. All. There we go. Uh, yeah, but but, but it, I'm no. talking about the whole the whole the whole enchilada here. I mean the the ability for them to do all of that on his own. It just, it's, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that.
0: Alan Moore, this, I mean, we talked about Squirrel Hill, and, and that's just pure evil. You cannot, with the amount of times that this guy showed up at a Trump rally, with the amount of times that this guy put stickers on his own van supporting Trump, was on social media literally quoting Trump. On a daily basis, is it safe to say that this particular individual, his fuse could have been lit by the words
6: of the president? It could have been. Um, we don't know for certain that they but, were, and we're not trying to. I'm, but just, I'm just saying, saying yes, he, they, they could have. So could other people's words. So could. So could there be copycat? folks who, who say, oh, I know how to build one of those that works. I don't know what's going on in the heads of these people. Forty-seven percent or thereabouts right now of the American people say they approve of the job that the president's doing. That doesn't mean they approve of everything he does, a different issue. But that's there's millions and millions of people out there, and there's a lot of them who are angry and a lot of whom are prone to do something Crazy, and we we saw it in Charlottesville. Um, uh, we we see it in different places at different times. And what we don't want is for a president or another senior official, but least of all a president, to say such things, such provocative things that would seem to embrace the notion of violence. It's not worth the risk. It's just plain wrong. But we've it,
0: seen. We have seen. We have seen people do crazy stuff and, and take lives senselessly before I give you Timothy McVeigh. The, I guess the question is, does Trump's words make it more acceptable? To take action like this, like we saw in Charlotte, like we saw in the pipe bombs, like we may have seen in Squirrel
3: Hill. Well, look, David. David ahead. sorry to jump in here, but you know, I just want to. I think the answer to that is is first of all to hammer hammer home a point that Alan made earlier, which is you know, for these particular individuals, we don't know. We can't see into their minds. We can we can speculate based on the stickers on their van. Sure, that's correct. But we don't know what made them snap. Um, But what we do know. Is that uh, this type of language, this type of rhetoric, this type of, of deliberate division of the country is dangerous, and we can see that from not from the voice, you know, not just from listening to the president, but we can see it from um, uh, these, the, you know, these racist, these anti-Semitic actors in society. Um, that you know, when the president, just the, way, way, they, be the clear. way they, but the way they I know, but it, 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 across the board, I'm just saying. I mean, look. You know, after the president's comments about Charlottesville, you know David Duke celebrated on Twitter, and I think you know what what is clear. You can argue about whether the president's comments are racist or whether they are anti-Semitic, but you know the the um, the fact that racists and anti-Semites celebrate them mean that they are dangerous, and and it is it is something. It, there's a reason we have not seen this rhetoric from from any other president. Um, uh because it it, it it does have the potential to stir up hatred and division uh and and I think that that's you know that's certainly we're seeing that reflected back from these these worst parts of society
6: alan more yeah and and having having said all of that there are other there are other folks out there who will take what in their mind is a political action of violence um that isn't getting Anywhere close to the same kinds of encouragement, the encouragement of Beat them up and I'll pay your legal bills, which was a famous line that 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 the that, that then candidate Trump used in some of his campaign speeches, encouraging people to 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 be tough with demonstrators or even uh, even the press. But I'm or also ha, or how I'm, about
0: I could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and get away with it?
6: Uh, uh, absolutely, but you know that was at least sort of this generic comment that no one was attaching anything to. But I'll but I'll remind everybody too that the guy who shot. Uh, who showed up at the congressional baseball practice, uh, shot and almost killed Steve Scalise and injured a couple of others before he was taken down by uh, by, by Capitol Police. Police, who happened to be present. That was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Bernie Sanders is not somebody we typically think of as as inciting. Violence. He was very, very critical in his sort of ice pick in the side way of Hillary Clinton when they were going. He uh, when never, they were going at he But He
0: never insinuated violence. No, there was never any it.
6: suggestion, encouragement, and he was mortified and appalled as anyone should be uh, that somebody who claims to support them would would take a a, a violent act.
2: Admiral Ken, but. In the in the case of the the Steve Scalise uh, no, Capitol um, Baseball game shooting, um, when that occurred, Democrats um, and Republicans stood shoulder to shoulder in in expressing their animosity of, about that event. You're not seeing that uh, with regard to the bombing um, as much, or the the shooting at shooting the, shooting the shooting in synagogue. Exactly right. You're not seeing that.
6: Well. Uh, uh, I yeah I I've been been traveling I would be hesitant to draw too much of a parallel there when you, when when people start Why not? shooting Why not? When people start shooting members of Congress other members of Congress by their nature by by the the tribe of being a member of Congress speak up um that I don't know who all has said what I can't imagine that there's anyone who hasn't condemned what happened at the synagogue, um, and 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 there's certainly no one who would have said, "Oh yeah, never mind." Um, it it's just that in that first case, it was here, it was in Washington, it was a member, it was members of Congress.
0: But why uh, should, why does it have to be? Why is the fact? And and let me be clear that the shooting in Alexandria two years ago was horrific. It was a senseless act of violence. That man is no different than this maniac who shot 11 people in. It's still a senseless act of violence. But why is it that a member of Congress brings Congress together, but the shooting of 11 Jews in their synagogue, in their house of prayer, doesn't bring everybody together? Well,
6: I, 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 I'm i not prepared to, to agree with that premise. First Why? of all, the, the Congress is out, okay? So people are scattered all over the country running for office. I can't <laughs> imagine that there are more than a handful, if that many, uh, members of Congress, Senate or House, who have not issued some kind of letter of condemnation. We're not going to hear about it. We're not going to see it. We're not looking for it. It it isn't it, the, because it's it's a local response. But I'm not prepared w- without more evidence to to start saying that that members of Congress haven't been uh, uh, expressive in their in their outrage. No,
0: no, no. no. Let me go back. Let me go back for a second. The, the, the comment you made is when the when the shooting in Alexandria happened during the Republican practice
6: baseball, baseball, practice, baseball practice. Yes,
0: yeah. When that happened, immediately. Partisanship was put aside. Everybody came together, arm in arm. There was a sense of maybe it was this senseless act of violence that will get us to hit the reset button. We'll all start coming together. We'll put demagoguery aside, and we'll move forward. And literally within three weeks, we're back to status quo.
6: Well, go ahead. And
2: and, and the other the other part of the problem is that. Um, the motives of the shooter were not attributed to, um, uh, I, I guess, an underhanded plot by by the the opposing political party, as we've seen in, in the uh, in in some of the 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 media outlets of the last of the last couple of days or so. I, I think you know. I, I think you know. We don't sure. We sure probably shouldn't get into a who's making us feel better uh, contest. The bottom line here is this that we've got a problem. We are looking to our national leadership to start injecting some calmness into, um, into the, the, the communications that are going on between us. And that is not happening. It's just not.
0: We've got, uh, we've got two minutes left in the, in the, in the show. And, um, first of all, I, I, I want to say that the, uh, Our thoughts and prayers go out to those who lost their lives, those who were injured, uh, those brave first responders who ran into gunfire to go protect others. Uh, Our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Um, There is no words that we can say here that could in any way undo the hurt undo the hatred that was demonstrated, that could in any way help assuage the pain that they feel. Not just in not just in the Tree of Life Synagogue, not just in the Jewish community of Squirrel Hill, not just in Pittsburgh, but nationwide. What we didn't talk about, but I want to make this point before we go, yet again, we are talking about gun violence. Until we, as a country, get our act together, until we pull our head out of our collective rear ends, we are going to, and if you want to come, if you want to come at me, you know what, tweet at me. You want to come at me, email me, justin at backroompolitics.org, Republicans and Democrats, all. If you don't think that now is the time to fix this problem, how many more lives have to be lost before we start looking at this in real time and practically? I don't want to have to do this again. I hate doing these shows, but until something happens, we're going to keep doing them. In, until, somebody sets a re- until somebody hits a reset button, we're going to keep doing them. On behalf of uh, David Mortlock, on behalf of Lord Chavez, Sharon Lachari up there in New York, Admiral Ken, Alan Moore here in the studio with me, I'm your host and moderator, Justin what Russell. Morning, uh, we'll be back later in the week for In Depth. We're going to talk about the midterms later on the week. Thanks for joining us
5: morning looking for my diamond